From the Australian Taxpayers Alliance, this is Taxed and Wasted, Corona Break Edition, where we bring you all the news that has nothing to do with coronavirus from around the world. I'm your host, Emilio Garcia. Welcome back to Taxed and Wasted by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. This is the Corona Break Edition. And without further ado, we'll get into the news that has little to do with the C-word crisis. Now, as I'm sure you've already heard, the price of oil fell below a dollar for the first time in history. A barrel of oil, in fact, was worth negative $35. And this obviously sent the entire world into something of a panic. So what happened was a lot of people think that that, that the explanation is that people, that oil was worth so little that basically people just wanted to get rid of it and they were willing to pay $35 for anyone who was willing to take their oil. Apparently it wasn't necessarily the case. That was it to a certain degree. Some people were seeking to get rid of some excess oil, but a lot of it has to do with the storing of oil. I was listening to this the other day. Uh, a lot of people said, we don't want to offload this oil right now because selling it right now is either impossible or we're going to make a, a loss on it because there's costs of, of, of labor and, and transportation and everything. So what we would rather do is put this oil somewhere safe for the time being and sell it when it's feasible. And so that in that includes a price of holding the oil somewhere. And since there were so many people looking to store oil, the price to store it went up, and that's how you got the the artificial uh, price tag of $35. It was mostly to do with people trying to store it. Now, the, 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 the oil collapse, the, price in, the collapse in the price of oil, has actually really messed with a lot of countries' uh, ability to do what they want. Uh, three countries stick out in particular as being particularly affected by the collapse. The first would be Iraq, Iraq. The second would be Mexico. And the third, Saudi Arabia. Now, Mexico and Saudi Arabia have similar issues. Basically, both have very ambitious plans to build and to do various things. And they were planning on doing so with oil profit money. And with the collapse in the price, they have to refocus. So Saudi Arabia, uh, the the prince there, the de facto prince, was attempting to create a a, a new face for Saudi Arabia, make it far more of a tourist destination. He was building another city. Uh, He was was also fighting uh, essentially against Yemen and against Iran in a lot of ways. And he was able to do so famously because of a very high price of oil. And now, well, his, his those plans are all but on hold. And he has to figure out now how they're going to balance the budget when basically no money is being made out of oil when they're a petrostate. Now, on Mexico's side, a third week running talking about Mexico, I know, uh, the president thought that Pemex, which is the, the Mexican oil company, would become so efficient and so profitable that they would be able to fund all of these wonderful uh, socialist programs and uh, build this wonderful train that would go all the way across the country, which is a very big country. 
that they would they, they, he basically had a lot a lot of plans based on making Pemex uh, very very effective and profitable now of course under his reign Pemex has become more corrupt less effective less profitable uh, has had less output than ever before and now obviously the the slump in oil production means a lot less income for the Mexican government so that's put his plans completely on, on hold and Iraq is one that is really just completely devastated by the drop in oil supply in oil prices because Iraq has to pay pensioners they have to pay certain welfare benefits they have to pay their state employees and they were doing so with oil money and in fact Iraq when oil was trading at $63 a barrel they were struggling so so oil was worth $63 and they were paying the bills, but only just. And now with this collapse, well, uh, that's that hasn't helped, let's say. Uh, we're going to move on to Virgin Australia. So Virgin Australia has decided, has told its customers that uh, if they have frequent flyer points with them, they'll basically pay out if, <laughs> if, the, if the company collapses. Now, the prospect of Virgin uh, Airlines collapsing is, is an interesting one because Virgin Australia, Richard Branson, has been going around to all of the governments of the world, basically, saying that he needs a bailout. Otherwise, he'll be forced to close the business. Now, uh, I don't know if this is for all, Virgin Australia, uh, for all Virgin Airlines or for just the one in the UK, but he's apparently looking for someone to buy the airline because he says otherwise it will implode. And one of the things that, well, not implode, it would collapse. And one of the things that I really just don't understand, and not enough people are making this point, is that Richard Branson is a billionaire, and the Australian version, the Australian branch of his company, is owned by another four multi-billion dollar companies. And they're not able to save the company? I mean, clearly Virgin Australia is just not something, is not a company that anyone finds worthwhile. It, it, clearly, because if this was a business that was only going through hard times but had amazing potential, people would be flitting the bill for this. In fact, how about the owner who's worth $4.4 billion putting in a little bit of his pocket money to save his business? No, what he's saying now overtly is if the government doesn't bail us out, or if we don't sell this to someone else, I will let it go to hell. So uh, if the founder of the company, the billionaire founder of the company, doesn't care enough about his airline to save it with his own money, I don't think we should either. So, uh, you know, all the, all the best wishes to Virgin Australia. I hope, I hope they do okay. I hope they get out of this. If not... Uh, we won't notice because as soon as the economy opens back up, it, it, when, when people need to start taking flights again, there is no shortage of companies that can do exactly what Virgin Australia does. They do nothing, they do nothing that no one else uh, can replace them for. So that's, um, <clears throat> that's on the Virgin side. Uh, we're going to talk now about uh, Donald Trump really quickly. And it seems that he has a lot of people in Denmark, a lot of politicians in Denmark, very nervous because Donald Trump is, is uh, 
using the, the C-word crisis, we won't go into that too much, uh, to expand his influence in Greenland. So Greenland has not had a very easy time with, um, with the recent crisis. And so President Trump announced that he's going to pay, uh, that the United States is going to pay, a significant part of Greenland's economic development plan. So their, their, their subsidies, the United States is going, to, is going to pay for a lot of them. And you'll remember that Greenland is a territory that Trump wanted to buy. And at the moment, uh, Greenland politicians said that that was ridiculous. Danish politicians mocked him. But now that Donald Trump is offering them money, the, the attitude of the politicians has completely changed. And it's interesting. Denmark politicians are saying, in fact, that what Trump is trying to do is buy influence within, within uh, Greenland, which is right now a sovereign territory of, De- of Denmark, uh, in order to kind of change their affiliations politically and to bring them into their corner. Uh, apparently, Donald Trump is also going to set up a capital, a consulate rather, in the capital of Greenland, Nuuk, N-U-U-K. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where this is going to lead, but perhaps in some time, we're going to see a 52nd state, and we'll, a 51st state, pardon me, uh, of the United States, and it will be Greenland. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. And finally, we're going to close off with Kim Jong-un, who claim uh, CNN put out a report, basically, that Kim Jong-un was possibly brain dead, was gravely ill, if not possibly brain dead. Uh, Then Katie Couric, I believe it was, from CNN, I might be getting that wrong, put out a tweet uh, saying, you know, Kim is brain dead. It's an incredible situation. And then recanted that tweet, deleted it, and said, ah, maybe I shouldn't have said that because I don't have all the information. And now what's happening is we don't actually know if he's dead or not because there's a story on news.com.au that says Kim Jong-un makes comment amid health scare rumors. And you think, oh, okay, well, Kim got in front of a television and said, hey, people are saying that I'm dead and I'm not. But apparently, no. This statement that they're talking about was made through several proxies on state media. Uh, so we haven't seen Kim since this happened. Then the certain South Korean officials, uh, including the president, actually, of South Korea called uh, Moon Chung, said, no, Kim is not dead. He is alive. Like, okay. But Kim, Kim Jong-un, is staying in a city where he is not normally stated, which is in Wonsan and has made apparently no public appearances whatsoever. The reason that he is, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason that he is in this city has not been disclosed. And so it's actually a kind of a toss-up here. Kim Jong-un, of course, is not uh, known for his transparency, but we're not exactly sure why it is that he's in another city. He's not in the capital of North Korea why amid the health scares he hasn't just gone on tv and said hey i'm alive uh or why um but on the other hand south korean officials seem to be saying no he's perfectly alive as are north korean officials so we'll keep you up to date but it's it's an interesting story one really quick point on this issue is that even if kim is dead don't expect much change unless 
many countries are willing to bank on the power vacuum that will ensue from King's death since there's no uh, established uh, since there is no established line of succession. Uh, basically, what will happen is probably someone like his sister, or some other family member, or some uh, yeah. Well, it, ha- it would have to be a family member probably will take control and continue to do things exactly as have been done uh, for for many decades now. So I wouldn't I wouldn't think that this is particularly important. Obviously, Kim Jong Un is very famous for being a horrible dictator, but in terms of his death meaning anything for the world, probably not. And uh, that about does it for today's episode of Taxed and Wasted Corona Break Edition. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you can, leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next week. Stay safe.